Welcome to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast, a relaxing and informative show where we explore anxiety, panic, and PTSD, sharing how you can overcome them for life. Aloha, welcome back to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Gina Ryan, and I'm so happy to be with you again today as we consider the many ways to bring your mind and body back to its natural peace and calm. We offer a number of ways to help you with your journey, so I hope you're taking advantage of everything that we offer. You can subscribe to this twice-a-week podcast. You can join our free Facebook group. And if you sign up for our newsletter, you'll get more from me and advance notice of things that are coming up. Go to anxietycoachespodcast.com and check all that out. And now for today's show. We have Tom Rutledge with us today. And you're really going to enjoy this conversation because it's always a good time when we have Tom on the show. Tom is a psychotherapist in Nashville, Tennessee. He's been in the people-helping business for more than 30 years. He's been featured on NBC's Today Show, CNN's Anderson Cooper 360, Australia's Channel 10, and he has consulted with the Dr. Phil Show. Tom is the author of several actually amazing books, including The Greater Possibilities, Embracing Fear, The Self-Forgiveness Handbook, and he was the co-author with Jenny Schaefer of Life Without Ed. He's recently re-released his very first book, Simple Truth, and it is available exclusively through his website, TomRutledge.com. I'll have all the links of everything that Tom mentions in the show notes, so please be sure to visit there. Welcome to the show, Tom. Thanks, Gina. Glad to be back. Yeah, it's always good to have you. We had a great chat last time, and a lot of people love the show. So I've heard thanks. from a lot of people, too, so thanks a lot. We, yeah, it was fun. And hell, we, we may have even done some good. You never <laughs> well, know. That's what, that could happen. You never know. It could happen. Yeah. <laughs> it could. We do our best, and then we let it go. That's Well, we, uh, we do our best, and then we try to let it go. We, that's uh, sometimes, right, some it's... days are better than others when it comes to letting go. That, that's, that's a whole subject unto itself. I mean, the idea of, I mean, isn't that one of life's challenges? I mean, every Absolutely. single day, every single part of my life, it's like, yeah, it's this too shall pass. And that applies to even the positive things. Yeah. Now we tend to, we, we, we tend to apply that to, to the negative. We'll say to each other that this too shall pass, but you know, we really have to also look at that. Also, if I'm having a if I'm having a wonderful time with you, this this too shall pass. It's like that for anybody dealing with fear, anxiety, that kind of stuff. That's that kind of brings up some some worry. Yeah, you know? it does. It's like, it oh my does. God, you mean something's good, and I'm not going to get to hold on to it. It's like, Ooh, not really. Yeah, and and that is uh, quite eye opening to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. They didn't think about that. <laughs> Right. Till well, I brought it up and ruined their day. <laughs> and isn't that what you do, Gina? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Which Just that, ruining well, so, everybody's well, day. The, well, talk about the people helping business. Sometimes, yeah, some days are better than others, but sometimes it really does feel like we just get in there and stir things up. And, uh, you know, <laughs> people look at you like, uh, thank you. It's like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I and I wanted to come and talk to you. Yeah, yeah, I'm choosing this. I'm not sure, but we'll get back to you later. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but letting go. Yeah. I think um, because we talk a lot about it in anxiety, right? We talk about accepting what is, right, which is another tough one. But then, and doing what you need to do, and then let go of the outcome. Right. Yeah. One of the things we say in 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 twelve step programs is simply we're we're not the chairman of the results committee. It's like you do you do what you need to do, and then and then. It, it shall be. Yeah. yeah. It takes, I mean, that's what, that takes a lot of courage. And that's, that's one of the things that, you know, that, that I think I teach people when we're talking about fear more than as, as much as anything else is that, you know, that, that it's, it seems simple, but I think we don't remember this. I think we may know it and forget it. And that is that, that, you know, cur- courage is taking that deep breath and doing that thing while you're feeling afraid. I think sometimes people think I'm going to do this when I feel more comfortable or I'm going to, I'm going to have better thoughts and I'm going to then begin to feel more confident. It's like maybe sometimes, but, but most of the time we act our way in, into feeling and being better is we don't think yeah. our way into it. And, and if you, if you got a mind like mine, I promise you very often, Thinking, thinking too much about something is really going to be more of the problem than it is the solution. Because, man, could I make up some stories. Oh, yeah. And those stories don't usually go to a lovely place. No, they're scary stories. It's like I have a friend who calls it the director of fiction in her mind. She's, she's, <laughs> yeah. She says they never tell me good stories. They're always very scary. Scary, yeah. dark. Well, then, over the other, and over. Well, right. It's just like repeat. Well, that's one of the things, too, I, that I, I was talking to, to a group the other day in a training I was doing. Where I said, you know, we all have this like this prophet in our mind, you know, the one that predicts things for us, that tells us what's going to happen. And it's going to tell us scary things. And it's going to say this is what's going to happen. And we listen to it when it's speaking. We just listen to it intently. And then one of the things I've learned to do is, is to ask people, Let's take a look and see how often your prophet has been accurate. Okay. The answer when you really get down to it is zero. Okay. They're never accurate. It's like now the the people go like, well, no, no, bad things happen. Yeah. The bad, there may be bad things happening to me next week, but it's not going to be what my prophet tells me. It'll be something entirely different. It's like, you know, and so I love this idea of confronting ourselves with the idea that we have this prophet who has a zero batting average. I mean, he never gets it right. And when he speaks, we just tune in. Oh, what are we going to It's like, no, that's the kind. If you know that guy in real life, you don't listen to him. Right. If somebody's, right. Never, if somebody's never telling you the truth, not that we have any experience with that in our, in our country today, if nobody's telling <laughs> the truth, you eventually begin to just say, whatever. It's just, I don't yeah. I don't need to listen anymore because you're not whatever you're telling me it's not going to be right. And so in life we can really see the folly in that and we don't pay attention to those people or those yeah. newscasts or whatever it is. But why is it so difficult Tom? Like where where can you have people maybe discover a way to pay attention to it? Like what's the how do we pay more attention to that 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 it doesn't matter what that 
is saying. Well, first that profit. First, first of all, I'm, I find myself more and more being true to my English major as I've as I've gotten older in life, and I and I listen really closely to language, and I think that that's what you just said is, is get to where sometimes we set the wrong goals to get to where it doesn't matter. I don't know that that's possible to get to where it's not matter. See, I think one of the things we have to do is the old serenity prayer. What you know, what's possible, what's not, what can change. Because mm-hmm. I think a lot of times we we do that serenity prayer kind of backwards and we we without knowing it we were we're choosing the things that we don't have a chance in hell of changing and we're putting all of our energy into it and then the but the things the things that we can do we kind of put them aside sometimes because they sort of i call them offensively simple you know they're they're you know they're they're not easy but they're they're simple things but to, to go back to your your question i mean i think what's difficult about that is when we're talking about somebody dealing with anxiety and fear it's like what we're asking them to do is very counterintuitive, and that is the way you're going to do this is you're going to lean into it. You're going to you're 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 not going to you're not going to put your hands over your ears and, and cover them and, and not listen. You're going to actually you're not going to turn down the volume. You're going to turn it up. What I want to know when people are talking, you know, we put somebody out there and that put that empty chair in front of the client and say, "You tell me what that bully that that mean nasty fear is saying to you." You know, mm-hmm. because because the power, you know, one of my little one liners I have around here somewhere says the, uh, the always move towards your demons. They take they take their power from your retreat. You know, they, the more you run, the more you cringe, the more powerful they are. And yes. it's like it's, you know, and again, this we know this It's easy. We can all sit around in a circle and go, got it, got it, got it. But when it gets time to really actually do it, I mean, I, we, I don't think we can emphasize enough that we really are asking people. This is the counterintuitive part. We're really asking people to volunteer to lean into their fear. Yeah. Which is when we're dealing with people with having anxiety, with fear, people who read the Embracing Fear book, it's like they spent years and years and a lifetime trying to run from it. Right. You know, and, yeah. and I always say there's going into the, when I talk to people about the Embracing Fear book, I say there's good news and bad news about fear. It's, it's bad news is you're not going to be able to get rid of it. And the good news is you don't have to, you know, because yeah. what we're doing, yep. we're, we're changing our relationship to it. And when we do that, everything changes. Yeah, it is about the relationship. And what about the relationship becoming fear being your teacher, right? Yeah, versus, absolutely. yeah, versus something to run from, like, because one of the first things we talk about is facing, which would be right. N- turning toward versus, uh, you know, sticking our head in the sand or, you know, so many ways to run away. I mean, food, alcohol, drugs, screens, whatever. Um, So letting fear be your teacher is what you're saying, really, when you're talking about turning toward it, leaning into it. And when I mention that, I often get that, uh, like, what do you mean, lean into it? So give us some examples, Tom, because you're really good with the stories and your past clients of how people uh, lean in in particular situations. Or Well, I mean, to me, it, it really begins with, and I'll do this in, in conversations with people. I also encourage people to, to journal about this a lot. Journaling is, mm-hmm. you know, um, I have a client who, who, who complains about spending money on therapy, so and I never could get him to journal. But finally, I hit upon the idea that I told him, you know, if you will journal, it will save you money. Because... <laughs> 
that man has not stopped writing yet. I'm sure. I, I imagine he's going to publish a book eventually because he's writing mm-hmm. so much. But it's but ther- journaling is like a ther- is doing therapy. It is very therapeutic. Yeah. And, and so, but I mean, it really begins with the idea. Leaning into me means listen more specifically to what the fear is saying. And what we're all, what I'm also going to teach people to do: the more we listen, the more we can challenge it. I, I, a lot of times, we'll have somebody ro- just. Go ahead and say, okay, role play your fear. I mean, even some of my telephone clients, I'll do that. Say, do you just be the fear monster in there and talk to me about, you know, tell me everything that's going to, tell me all the things that, are, that, are, that are, you know, that is going to go wrong for Gina. And so that they'll have them kind of create that sort of character. And, and, and then what I'll do is something that we don't tend to do for ourselves, and that is we'll challenge it, you know, to say, you know, even, even little things like, how do you know that's going to happen? Well, I don't know, but it's like, that, you know, and you begin to kind of break it down a little bit. It's like, are you sure? And if that happens, is that the worst thing that could happen? I mean, that because that's the other thing is one of the things that we, keeps us afraid is we we don't look for more information. We just we just right. hear the fear. So, you know, it's going to be bad. Everybody's going to hate me. You know, nobody's going to nobody likes me anyway. And I'm probably going to be poor and die on the street in a box. You know, it's like. You know, okay. Well, what does any of that mean, and how likely is it to really happen? So, some of it is just getting into the. A friend of mine calls it the boring part of therapy. Getting into a more detailed conversation about what really does scare you. I have a little technique in the, in embracing fear that I call it walking down the ladder. It's like, so I say, well, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. So, okay. Instead of reassuring at that point, I say, okay, if you lose your job, what's going to happen? Well. Mm-hmm. I'm going to run out of money. Okay. Well, if you run out of money, what's going to happen? Well, I'm afraid my wife's going to leave me. Okay. If your wife's going to leave you, what are you afraid of? And so what we're doing is, is rather than jumping really fast into, into, to offering reassurance, which is really what we're looking for. What we're looking for is, is real reassurance. Reassurance is not like patting you on the head and telling you a lie. Like I know everything's going to be fine. The best of intentions, we, 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 in the name of reassurance, we tend to minimize and criticize. We go like, oh no, you shouldn't be, you don't need to be that scared. It's like people don't even understand why that feels bad, but it's like, it's because somebody just told you that you shouldn't be feeling what you're feeling. You know, rather than it actually is more reassuring. If I tell you about something I'm really afraid of, it actually is more reassuring if you just look at me and say, wow, that that must suck. than if you try to explain it away to me, you know, right. it's like, right. yeah, because because reassurance, we feel reassurance when we feel connection. And so now yeah. I'm just thinking out loud as we go on with this question. So I think that's one of the things that begins to be to, to be a way to respond to fear when you say, how do you lean into it? If you get if you actually get into a conversation in more detail about it, I think we feel some more connection. So, you know, if I'm, if I'm telling you about my fear and we're actually having a conversation about it already, I'm, I'm less alone. And, and the yeah. other thing is I'm getting somebody else's response. I mean, because you know, so I tell somebody my fear that inside I'm just going crazy over and, and you're listening or, you know, and you're kind of going, yeah, yeah, that's, you know, I, yeah, I did something like that once or that's horrible. That's, but, but you're not going, Oh my God. You know, oh Lord! You know, you're not doing that. You're you're kind of going, okay, I got it, I got it, and I feel like there's really somebody there with me, and then that's really the beginning of problem solving. And Tom, that's got to be why things like twelve-step programs work, Mm -hmm. because that's people who've been there. Right, right. People, yeah. yeah, In terms of therapists, I always say people. When I was doing lots of therapy, I always. I always wanted to find somebody who who been in the jungle, not just studied the maps, is the way I put it. It's like I yeah. want somebody who's been there, and and yeah, and 
and you know this, I mean, isolation is the, is the killer. I, you know, my alcoholism can't kill me. My depression can't kill me. My, self, my history of self-condemnation can't kill me unless I'm isolated, unless I'm not sharing what's going on with me with the, with the people I need to be sharing with. You know, I can have I can have a horrendously bad day. You know, I could white knuckle it through, have a hard time not picking up a drink. I can feel like total crap about myself. At the end of the day, if I've if I've done what I need to do, go to a meeting, talk to a friend, call somebody. You know, taking care of myself. That's it's it's, it's a crappy day, but it's but I've it's it's been a day of recovery. I've done right. what I need to do, so it's it's a good day. You know, yeah. and I think a lot of times people unfortunately kind of set themselves up with this idea that that a good day is a day when you you know when you're doing well with your recovery from all of this and when i say recovery i don't just mean addiction i mean from all toxic thoughts beliefs that kind of stuff is is it's, a good day is always going to be a happy day a gold happy go lucky you know, some days are harder than others and it's like it's important i think sometimes to talk about how do we define you know what is a good day yeah tom what is a good day before we get to your answer on what a good day looks like, I want to spend a moment with our sponsor for today's show. The month of March is still upon us and it is Caffeine Awareness Month. We've talked about where caffeine is in the diet, why it can be causing you additional stress on your mind-body, and what you can do differently And one of the things that I like to have you do differently is to use a caffeine-free option, meaning trying something new, maybe some new herbal teas. And if you love trying new teas, treat yourself to a Plum Deluxe Tea of the Month subscription. For only $10 a month, you'll receive a hand-blended, all-organic, loose-leaf tea thoughtfully chosen for the season. And the best part, caffeine-free options are available. Tea Club members also enjoy special benefits like discounts, free shipping on all purchases, and access to a very loving and supportive tea community. A tea subscription also makes a fantastic gift. Visit plumdeluxe.com tea and join today. Today I'm enjoying Evening in the Garden. It's got vanilla, rose, lemon, elderflower, and honeybush. I love honeybush. If you like rooibos tea, you're going to love honeybush. Everything is handmade, including the original recipes. Plum Deluxe is a family-run small business, and the teas are organic, fair trade, and made fresh every week. This is one of the few tea subscriptions where caffeine-free is an option. Again, go to plumdeluxe.com slash tea and join today and now back to the show what is a good day and what a good day is have i done everything i need to do to take care of myself have i done everything i can do to and and that includes living according to my own value system which may mean that have i are there things that i could have done for somebody else that that, you know that i stepped around because i was distracted by my own crap right no sometimes like no sometimes the idea is i need to put my stuff down and go over there and and help that fella. Yeah, you know, Tom, that's why I often, uh, in my small group, group coaching, we talk about values. Like, because if you don't know what you value, like, your days can just be aimless. Like, you don't know what you need to do to take care of yourself. Right. So, 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I have yeah. I, one of my one of my books I wrote uh, called "Earning Your Own Respect." is one of my favorite books. It's out of print right now, but it's you can get it used on Amazon. But it's it's just it's about that. It's about saying everybody needs to be responsible for being as specific as you can about what is your value system, what is most important to you, and and, and the definition of a good day is living as congruently with that value system as you can. And if you look at someone with addiction, you look at someone with eating disorder, you look at someone who is who is really uh, possessed by fear, what you're going to find is all of that stuff puts us in a place where we're acting, we're, we are split to some degree or another from our value system. We're, mm-hmm. Our value system doesn't change. The things we that we believe in are still the same, but our behavior changes. And so all of a sudden, I'm not being congruent with that. So guess what happens? That feels, that's painful by definition. We feel bad. And then those of us who are running and hiding and medicating, we feel bad. We go back. That's the cycle. Then we go back and I stay, and I stay stuck, you know, whether it be eating disorder, uh, uh, alcohol, drugs, or just hiding my head under the covers. So that looks, uh, I want to move into that. And this looks like a nice segue into transformation then how do mm-hmm. you know how do we look at transformation it's a i know you and i talked a little bit before we got started mm-hmm. so even if you use eating disorder language that's fine here everybody okay. everybody gets it okay yeah. well that well because like i was saying to you at the beginning the the yeah the transformation the idea of the program i'm putting together called transformation um and i think it may be a book one day so right now it's just really a, a, a workshop kind of thing i'm developing is has come out of my work with eating disorders. I, I definitely think like stuff I do is so uh, so process oriented. So it almost can apply to you can really take it and fit it to anything. But but it's specifically with eating disorder because what I've found through the years is that that there are a lot of folks with eating disorders that there's uh, there's that just some people have a harder time. It's not being motivated, but it's maintaining motivation. It's like, and I'm not, you know, I'm not even, I mean, I think we could have a whole conversation about why that would be with eating disorders where it wouldn't be with some other, other things. But, and some of that is actually just that recovery from eating disorders is in many ways more, uh, more complex, you know, maybe not harder, but more complex than, than a drug addict or an alcoholic. Because there's, mm-hmm. there's a whole lot, whole lot more in there. The other thing is sometimes these, the disordered eating has been a part of somebody from you know early 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 on so those 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 things would make a big difference so but the idea of transformation is what i've discovered just sort of you know talking just through talking to people in in therapy in groups and and workshops is that it we really can get some more energy i think poured into our into our process if we if we move sooner than we ordinarily would have or that I have in the past toward really talking about these values we're talking about, like what it's kind of the existential nature of all of, of you know, it's almost seems like it's, wow, that's kind of too big. It's not, but it's like, what, what's it all about? What do you, what, yeah. what do you believe? What do you believe about? What do you believe we're doing here on earth? What, you know, do you think, you know, what do you, and, and what do you want to do with your life? And, and part of, you know, part of that is, as we get older, we have a different, we change our relationship with time and you know and i mean like time from from you know, from 63 where i am now to where as opposed to 30 when i was 30 it, it, you know, there's a different look but i think there's an advantage to getting moving along to where you actually can can utilize talk about things we generally fear that you know time is limited 
this, yeah. you know, we that, that's kind of a piece of information that we can use as good or, or we can use to our advantage or not. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, we can freak out that basically some, you know, one day or whether it be tomorrow or, or 20 years from now, I'm going to drop off the face of the earth or, and, you know, and again, that's an, that's human nature to be afraid of that. But the right. idea, so, so, so part of the thing is to let go of the idea that we're going to change the fact that I have fear of that. If anybody who says I don't fear that, you go like, well, either you just evolved beyond what I even, you know, see as possible for me or you're lying uh, about that. So, but, but the, but the idea of being able to say, okay, I want to, I want to use the time that I have in the most efficient way possible and really take people back into, to getting in touch with their dreams. You know, what is it? Are you doing what you want to do with your life? Because a lot of times people will look around and go like, well, I'm really not. I, you know, there's, I've lived my life. A lot of people you find they've lived their life by default up to a certain point. And so I, I said, well, this is the time when we're sitting here evaluating this stuff. This is the time for us to actually, the, the transformation part is to take the, take it from default to say, I want to live my life day to day, every single day of my life by decision. I want to choose what I'm doing and what I'm pursuing, you know, and, and, I, and, and part of that is going to be, I'm going to choose to not let fear stop me. You know, I'm yeah. not going to wait for it to go away. Cause that's not, that's, that's not going to happen. But I right. am going to make a choice every day, every day to not let it stop me from doing what I want to be doing. And that's where the, it all starts. It all starts. Well, yeah. Shift. And I think when you can get underneath there, it's like I think the mistake some people can make is, oh, if I, if I can do all that, then whatever I'm dealing with, eating disorder or addiction, that kind of stuff will just kind of uh, evaporate. It won't. I mean, maybe for somebody, but more times than not, by the time we come to treatment for eating disorder or any kind of addictive compulsive relation, it's, it's like that 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 condition may have begun with our anxieties and our fears and stuff, but it has a life of its own after a certain point. So the idea is it, it doesn't matter that I deal. I've done a lot of, I've dealt with a lot of the underlying stuff of my, my own addiction, but I'm not any less an alcoholic today than I was the day I, I stopped drinking. Uh, so I think it's important to be able to say, okay, no. So in this case, let's say, let's just use that information, the information about the life that I want to live as being part of every single day, why I'm not going to pick up that drink or why I am not going to binge and purge or why I'm going to eat my meal plan, even though my anorexic self is screaming at me, telling mm-hmm. me that, that uh, you know, that, that if I eat something, I'm a less worthy person. Just going to do it. But from a place of knowing that, it has to do with your whole life, yeah. not just that well, it's, moment. This is, yeah. yeah, this is what I choose. This is what I want. I choose. You know, one of yeah. uh, one of the things I'll do in a workshop sometimes is I'll I'll just use, I'll talk about the words can't and won't. It's like, mm. you know, without any context whatsoever. And people who listen to this can do it. It's like j- I'll have people just say out loud, "I can't." Just say that, and then say say, "I won't." And you just tell me what the difference, how the, how it feels different. And I promise you, won't is significantly more powerful than yeah. can't. I don't know exactly yeah. why that is, but you can say it. You can even say it softer, loud, or scream, or holler, whatever you want to do. I can't, I won't. Won't has this feeling of it's absolute, it's, it's looking at that fear or it's looking at that addiction and saying it's defiance. No, yeah. I'm not going to do that because that's not the way the life I want to live. 
yeah. is going to go because I'm yeah. I'm choosing what I'm doing every day. And, you know, we're not going to get it perfect. I and mean, we're going to, you know, we need each other. <laughs> we got to get lots of support. I mean, that's yeah. one of the things you and I can't talk enough about with people. It's like people who are afraid, you know, what's one of the things they're afraid of? They're they're afraid of, I mean, hell, I, I, I used to say to people, I couldn't tell if I, I don't know if I don't like people in, uh, so much or if I'm more afraid of them. You know, I could mm. never, I, could never, I yeah. just knew, I just knew that I, I, you know, when I was feeling bad, I didn't want anything to do with other people. Right. And it, and, and it, talk about counterintuitive people. I mean, hey, I'm going to sound like Barbara Streisand here. People who need people. You know, yes. we have, it doesn't have to be a lot of people. It doesn't have to be, you don't, you know, you and I talked about being introverts. It's like, mm -hmm. you know, people get surprised, I think, from either one of us that we tell them that we're introverts because they hear us doing this kind of stuff. But it's like, like, I don't, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't need to be around a lot of people. I don't like being around a lot of people. It's like, right. but, but, the, but the people I know, the people I trust in my yeah. life, they need to be, they need to be there and people need to know what's going on with us. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because I, and we need to let it out. Yeah. Cause isolation is going, yeah. And it's, it, everything's not a problem to be solved. Sometimes it's just to be shared. Yes. Oh, that's an excellent point. Because that's what we, uh, the anxious mind gets caught up in. How do I solve this? I know. Well, What's we, the answer? Yeah, I think that's one of the things that people get surprised about in therapy is that is that when we start talking about this stuff is that that we're not necessarily sometimes we are. I mean, sometimes sometimes there's just problems that need to be solved, but but a lot of times it's not. It really is a matter of we're we're kind of talking this stuff through in a way, of, and what we're doing is we're getting out of our own way. You know, yeah. and one of the ways we get in our way is we sit around and scratch our heads and think, I got to solve this. I got to change what this is. And, and, you know, and I and I swear, I think that I look back at my career now and think I, I spend the giant majority of my time working with clients, helping them see that they're not crazy. Yeah. Not, yeah. I'm not healing crazy. I'm just kind of going like, nope, that's not crazy. Right. Nope, that's not crazy. That's, you know, we all make sense. I call it, of course, mentality. If you look at your life, you know, if I'm afraid of this, if I'm, if there's this A, a B, and C thing, and I'm scared to death about that, it's like, if you look at my life, you're, there's going to be a, re, you're going to, I'm going to be able to explain it, you know. And looking back is not about blame, and it's not about excuse. It's about explanation. Like, yeah. And 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 the most important part of explanation, in my opinion, is simply that it's it's the place where self compassion begins. If I, yeah. if I if I stop acting like I, I don't know why I'm this way, you know why am I such an idiot? So like, you know, I say go like, well I don't know. It's a good question. Let's figure out why you're such an idiot. <laughs> it's like we don't because we ask that question rhetorically and it's like it's yeah. an insult. But the idea right. is like, well sure we're all idiots. Now let's figure out exactly what brand of idiot you are, and right. you know and, and and I promise you there's a reason that you became that particular idiot. And now let's just change the question to what can I do one day at a time to recover from being an idiot? It's like yeah. I don't care what people's language is. It's like it's just a matter of we get unstuck and we start moving, and we and we get realistic about that we're not really going to, we don't have to change as much as we think we do. That's really reassuring. Yeah. yeah. Or it's, scary it's, for some people because they feel so horrible about themselves. That also can scare them. Like, like, Oh, I think I need to change a lot because I'm, you know, I, I feel, I hate myself so much. But like, well, that's, that's tough, but no, you really, you know, of course what we know is you're, we're looking from the outside in is that we look at each other and, you know, if, if I have my glasses on top of my head, they may be, I don't know, is if I had my glasses on top of my head and, you, and I'm going, 
you know, freaking out that I can't find gla my glasses and my glasses represent my happiness. You're looking at me going, Tom, Tom, and they're right there on your head. It's like, and that's yeah. what, that's how we see each other. I mean, not, not just yeah. therapists talking to clients, but people talking to people. Mm -hmm. And that's a big part of the, the, the help we can give each other is if, if we'll stop, slow it down enough and listen to our, to our friends, people who care about us, they'll tell us stuff about us that we need to know. It's like, yeah. you know, and sometimes it is just the simple message. Yeah, you're not really as crazy as you think you are. And that's really good news. Mm -hmm. That's really good news. Tom, before before too much more time goes by, I want to give you an opportunity. I know you wanted to share something with everybody that's listening. So you have uh, something they can get over if they send you an email. Yeah, there, uh, I have a lay that out. There's a it's a. I have a I have a book that's available on on Amazon called Nutshell Essays, uh, and and it's 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 out there in, in hardcover and paperback aware. But I've now written a, a second volume of that that'll be out. I think uh, probably maybe 2018 for it's out in a in a physical form. But it's uh, I have it as a as a PDF ebook right now, and it's called it's the second volume Nutshell Essays Volume Two, and the subtitle is um, Brief Lessons for Big Change. Uh, and and uh, if people send me an email, uh, just Tom Rutledge author at gmail.com. You can put that on your uh, side. We can mention it again. And I will I will I will send them the the uh, the ebook. Um, and it's just little short, brief little essays, that sort of standalone pieces. Um, I always say I like to write. But sometimes some of the books I write are I write it for people who 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 don't like to sit still long enough to read a book. So, so you can just you can just pick this book up, open it at any place at all, read a page. You got something to take with you that day. And that's amazing stuff because that's the greatest kind of book when you're not feeling good. You know, like right. it's one of those days, yeah. right? Yeah. And I really can't sit still for more than a couple pages. Right. So let me see what Tom has to say. That's right. Didn't you used to send those out as an email or something? Yeah, that began back at back. You know, Nutshell Wisdoms at, or something. It, it I used to get. began back yeah. in the back in the 1900s, I believe. <laughs> you know, that was, back in the day <laughs> when it was like yeah, <laughs> uh, they were called e-minders for for the therapeutically <laughs> the e-minders for the therapy. Beautifully forgetful. That's what it was. Very good. Yeah, and that, and that, that is the, the exact... Boy, we've, we've been knowing each other that long, huh? It's been a long time, <laughs> yeah. You can tell I'm from the South. That's how we say that. We've been knowing each other a long time. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, that's and that's where these these came from. I began to write something every week and send it out, and, and as a result, collected a lot a lot of these through the years. And um, and that's the kind of stuff I, you know, I like, I, it's, you know, you write books, some, some of the books I've written, you write, I write and they they have a beginning, a middle and an end. And some of them I call build a book, you know, you just, uh, and they're actually a little bit easier to put, to write because you write these little short pieces and then you just decide kind of, they're kind of building blocks, how they, how they go together. And, yeah. uh, and, and those are a bit easier to write and they definitely are, are, you know, and I really do like the idea that, that, you know, because a lot of people, I had I'm I have depression. I'm recovering from depression as well as other things. When I met my, when I was in bad shape with my depression, I wasn't gonna sit around and read a, a book. I wasn't right. gonna get through a long book. I didn't have that in me. It's like so the idea of reading something that's that's short to the point and has and has actually some help involved. Yeah. It's not just some little. I hope that's what I do. Is that it's not just some sort of musing, you know, that's kind of cliche stuff. It's like I want my stuff to be as practical as it possibly can be. 
Oh, and it really is. You know that I really love your work. So I hope that everyone will send you that email. Give us that address one more time. It's, uh, Tom Rutledge, author, like in writer, Tom Rutledge, author at gmail.com. And my, I always oh. remind people my first name has an H in it. It's T-H-O-M. And that will be in the show notes, everybody. Okay. So it's always easy for you to find and just yeah. click on the links. Well, and, but and the other thing is with email, it, it, I know they can do this with you as well. But anybody who has follow up questions or any questions about any of the stuff we're talking about, for me, I'm more than happy to. to sometimes I'm a little bit slow on responding, but I, I will respond to everybody who has something they want to ask me about or share with me. I'm always happy to to do that. Don't forget Tom Rutledge author at gmail.com to let him know your thoughts and to get that uh, book, uh, the ebook. That would be fabulous to read. So. I'm, I love party favors. <laughs> I think if I, if I have, this, I have this, this, this sort of idea that's karma. You know, it's like if I give party favors, I will get party favors. So that's it's like, right. So I like everybody gets a <laughs> podcast favor. Yay. Tom, it's been so delightful to talk to you again today, and thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with my listeners, and I know this isn't the last that we will see of you. I hope so. not. Any last words before we spring you loose? No, just just uh, just let, remind people that that you're probably not as crazy as you think you are. How's that, how's that for how's that for a sign off line? <laughs> that's excellent because actually that's a question we get quite often. Mm-hmm. So. Mm -hmm. Thanks again, Tom. Aloha. I'll be back in a few more days with another podcast. Until then, be well and aloha. Thanks so much for joining us for today's episode of the Anxiety Coaches Podcast. Find more information at theanxietycoachespodcast.com. 